Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. How many of you love snakes? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, we are glad that you are at Freedom House today. Um, We have a special treat for you. Um, Not only all of you in here, but to everyone online that is watching, we have New York, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Texas, Tennessee, Washington, D.C., Georgia, and I know we have others that are jumping on as well, so we want to welcome all of you here. Uh, But we have someone who is near and dear to our heart. He is like a big brother to Pastor Troy, um, and his name is Randy Bazette. He is a pastor that is in Florida, and um, not only is he in Florida, but his reach goes all over the world. Um, Randy actually helped to uh, launch ARC, which is Association of Related Churches. He's on the leadership team there, which uh, what they do is they're one of the largest networks in the world for building um, and establishing churches. On top of that, he also has an organization called Relate that actually takes churches to the next level and equipping them. Um, and he's just an amazing pastor, amazing friend, amazing husband, father. He's, he's got so many titles, but we know him here. He's, he's like Pastor Troy's big brother, so we know him here as Uncle Randy. So you are going to hear an amazing word today, and uh, he's Cajun, so you'll probably hear a Boudreaux joke. Um, you'll probably hear that little Cajun accent come out. He's hysterically funny, but at the same time, he packs a powerful punch. So would you do me a favor, Freedom House? Would you jump up on your feet? Give it up for Pastor Randy Bezet in the house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, give somebody a high five. If you're watching online, throw up the high five emoji, and then you guys can be seated. Man, I am so honored that I get to be here today. I mean, what an incredible church. How many of you just want to give God some praise right now for the fact that you are in a great church? 
How about some of you guys and those even watching online, do you want to give it up for your church? Because I think more than anything else, what we need right now is to be in a place where we can experience the presence of God. And, and listen, uh, it happens when you connect in church. I believe it's happening with you guys watching online. But I'm going to tell you, there's something about the corporate anointing. When you get in the place of God with the people of God, seeking the presence of God, there's no telling what the purpose of God will do in your life. Come on, can you just give God some praise again this morning like you really love him? So I do pastor a church in Florida in, in the Tampa area. Uh, we started our church on the same exact day as Freedom House Church. And we didn't know Troy and Penny at the time, uh, but through a series of terrible circumstances, uh, God connected us because we were both going through the exact same thing at the exact same time. And, uh, and one of your pastor friends connected us together with Troy and Penny and uh, we just walked that thing together, and God connected us, and I'm so thankful for them. Uh, in fact, I am married as well. I just celebrated 27 years of marriage. What? I know, and I look like I'm 30. I know. My brother, man, don't laugh that hard, man. That hurt. No. My wife, Amy, she is the finest thing that's ever sucked air off the planet. I'm going to tell you, that girl is hot. And she, I'm telling you, she's amazing. 27 years, we have four kids. And the reason why we have four kids is because she wouldn't leave me alone. And it's just, that's how that works. For those of you that are not married, you'll find out one day. So my oldest son is actually here with me, my son Jordan. Y'all give it up for my son Jordan right here. And so uh, what, what, a, what a blessing, though. I want to talk to you first about your, your pastors and your leaders, Troy and Penny. Uh, I am privileged to stand in a place and operate in a place of planting and coaching a lot of churches, literally thousands of churches across America. I've helped plant nearly a thousand churches across America, and these are the largest, fastest growing, most influential churches in America. And the, I only tell you that because I want you to understand the context from which I look at church across the nation and really around the world. And you don't always see churches that are healthy like this. And, and it has everything to do with leadership. I, I'm a John Maxwell disciple. I, I know him personally, but I believe in his leadership principles. And he says this, that everything rises and everything falls on leadership. That's, that's true in, on, on a sports team. That's true in any organization. That's true in, in a family. It's true in government. If things are going well, it's because there's good leadership. If things are not going well... Because it's poor leadership. And this church is doing well because you have great leadership. I see thousands of churches, and I know good churches and not so good churches. You know what I'm saying? And you have good leadership here. And, and here's why I think you need to understand that. It's because good leadership does what's right, not always what is popular. And, in fact, Jordan and I were talking about this on the way over here. Uh, raising kids, those of you, how many of you are parents? Come on, raise your hand, you, you, you're a parent in here. Okay, then you know what I'm talking about. You tell your kids, hey, this is what's going to happen, this is what you're going to do, or you're not going to do that. And they, it's not fair. And you go, I don't care if it's fair. I'm doing what's right because in the long run, that's going to be what's best for you. 
And one day, you'll look back and you'll go, man, thank you for being who you were as a parent. Come on, parents. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? They don't like it at some point in time, but you don't let them hang out with certain friends. You don't let them do certain things because you know in the long run, that's what's going to be best. And then later on, they go, thank you, Dad. And Jordan said that in a waiver. Thank you for raising me like you did, Dad. I really appreciate it. Yeah, he did. I know. I, that's one, that'll make your heart full right there as a parent, right? Okay, that is also true of you as a church and your pastors. They lead you into what is right. You don't always like it, but I promise you they're leading you the right way. They don't get it right all the time. That's not what I mean. But their, their heart is to lead you right. And the reason why this church is doing so well, because everything rises on good leadership. So could you show some honor? Come on, even those online to your pastors. Okay, so let me get to what's on my heart today. You're kicking off a series called The Cobra Effect. And, uh, and I believe with all my heart that, that it is ordained that I am here today. And not only that I am here, but the word that I am going to speak. And then thirdly, that you are here. <laughs> because I had another message that I was going to preach. And last night, the Holy Spirit messed with me. Anybody here ever been messed with before by the Holy Spirit and you just get all uncomfortable and you just want to stay with what you know to be, but the Holy Spirit won't leave you long, so you have to make a decision to do something different and follow him? Well, I did that last night, and I completely changed my message because uh, I think I missed God in the very beginning, if you want to be honest. I don't think God changes his mind, by the way. Oh, God changed his mind. No, I was just too stupid to hear from him earlier, all right? But he knew that you'd be here, and he wanted you to hear this word. And uh, I, I, let me set it up this way. So I, I recently, in fact, right before this pandemic hit, I was in Israel. And I got home, and literally uh, a week and a half later is when the country and everything shut down. And anyway, while I was there, I was with some people from the church. While I was there, I noticed something that I had, had never really seen before while I was there. Now, if you have your Bibles, I need you to open up with me to Luke chapter 22, okay? So everybody has a Bible because you have a smartphone. Or right, if you have a flip phone, this is probably not the church for you. Okay, <laughs> so let me just help you out right now. Okay, so if, if, open up your smartphone, open up your Bible. You can get it right there on your phone. If you, how, how many are the holy people that's got the old school printed Bible? Raise it up. Come on, wherever you're at right now. Maybe you're watching at home. Flex a little bit with your printed Bible. Come on, all right? That's the holy people. All right. Luke 22. Now, this is so important. I need, the reason why I want you to open up your Bible, because we're going to dig into this. Let me give you a little insight on how I preach the Word of God and what we're going to do here today. I believe the Word of God speaks all for itself, and it needs nothing else. So I'm not going to give you my thoughts. I'm not going to tell you what I think. We're going to dig into the Word of God. We're going to go to original language, and the New Testament is called Greek. And we're going to study these English words. We're going to go all the way to the Greek so we can dig in, find out what it really means. Because when we build our lives on God's Word, it is unshakable in Jesus' name. So I need you to look in your Bible. We're going to circle things. We're going to dig into things. And I need you taking notes because I promise you this will help you. If you don't listen to this today, check it off your list and, and leave from participating in service. If you do not do that, but you let it soak and you listen and you read over it again, your life will never be the same in Jesus' name. I hope I set this up for you guys. All right. Are you ready? Come on, say I'm ready. Here we go. Luke 22, we're going to read verses 39 through 46. It says, Jesus 
went as usual. Now, I'm not sure what translation you're looking at, but I'm reading out of the NIV. Whatever that word is there that you have usual, would you underline it in your Bible, highlight it, whatever it is, this is very important. He went to the Mount of Olives. Now, where is the Mount of Olives? The Mount of Olives is just east of the city of Jerusalem. Uh, it, it, it's kind of on this hilltop, and it looks down into the city there. And while I was there, I noticed this. I was reading the Bible there in this verse, and here's what I noticed. It says, so Jesus went there, and his disciples followed him. So on reaching that place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. He knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this problem, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his, and, uh, his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. How I many you know the man was in some great anguish, right? When he rose from prayer and he went back to his disciples, he found them asleep exhausted from sorrow why are you sleeping he asked them get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation father i thank you for your word i pray that you help me communicate it today god i do not want to be in the way i am just a man and i am fallen and i have many mistakes but god your word does not need to be distracted by who i am so God, use me is what I'm asking. I am a, just a complete vessel. I pray that your words would flow through me and to everyone, that they would hear it, receive it, give them hearts to understand it and grasp it, and maybe it planted in their life and produce a harvest in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Now, that word usual, it's the word in English, usual. The, the Greek is the New Testament language. This word right here is ethos. Write that down, E-T-H-O-S. We, we know it, there's a water company, right? You can drink a bottle of water. Well, it is not referring to water. That word ethos, it means what is customary, what is habitual, or what is normal. So what this scripture is saying to us is that Jesus had a customary thing, had a habitual thing that he did all the time. You can read throughout the gospels and many times you will see that Jesus went to the Mount of Olives to pray. In other words, he had a habit of going to this place and praying and seeking the Father. And Jesus was there again this day because he had a habit of doing that. How many of you have some strange habits? Come on, how many of y'all have some strange habits? My wife sucked her thumb until she was about, well, actually, she didn't suck her thumb. She sucked these two fingers right here until she was about eight years old. Her parents, like, would dip her fingers in Tabasco sauce, you know? to try to get her to stop. She just sucked the Tabasco sauce right off of there, right? She hates spicy food now because of that, right? My, I have a son named Dylan. We, we have four kids, as I said. I have three boys, and then the baby is a girl. Aw, that's right. She's spoiled rotten. The boys go, Dad, she's your favorite. And I go, well, at least you know where you stand. <laughs> okay, so Dylan is our third son. He has a habit. Every night when he goes to his room, he lifts up his sheet and he looks for bugs in the bed. How many of you have a habit and you clean the Q-tip after that, you look at it? Come on. <laughs> you know you do. You got some weird habits, man. We all do that, right? How many of you have a habit of using social media to stalk someone before you connect with them? Come on. You know you do. Of course you do. These are all habits that we have. Check this out. Jesus 
on his worst day because this right here was leading to what we call Good Friday. In fact, it, it already was Good Friday because their day started at sunset. So really what we know is Jesus' worst day of his life, he had a habit of seeking God. He continued to do what he needed to do to make it through his worst day. It says in verse 44, it says that he was in great anguish. Now, this is a really cool Greek word. It's the only time this word is used in the New Testament. It's the word agonia. It's where we get the word anguish from, as you could obviously see that. But it actually, the, the Greek language is pretty descriptive, and it paints a picture almost like a gymnastic, uh, a gymnast. You know how when they tumble and they're flipping and spinning, how their body gets all contorted to do the things they need to do? That's the picture that is painted. Jesus was like he was in so much anguish and the pressure of life was causing him to almost be in such a way that he, he was about to break. That's the place that he was in. Maybe some of you find yourself like that today. I mean, life is pulling you in so many different directions and you feel all contorted. I don't know whether I do. Do I believe this or do I believe that? Do I, what do I do with my emotions? I'm feeling this and I'm feeling that. And you're not sure what to do. And maybe that's where you find yourself. And I'm telling you right now that many times we may find ourselves just like that, like Jesus did. But the only thing that's going to get it out, get, get us through this, is to have an ethos of seeking the Father. Because it says that Jesus, he knelt down to pray. Now, we think, oh, well, I just, I need to kneel down, and that, that's how you pray. It's a holy moment, a holy way of doing it. No, what does that word mean? It means to set or to establish or to fix something. You know what he did on his worst day? He decided to establish himself. I am going to seek the Father. It doesn't matter what's happening in this world. I think if he were in this country right now, he wouldn't look at all the tensions and all the politics and all the pandemic stuff that was going on. I think he would fix himself on seeking the Father, and he would say, I'm either going to let the world pull me apart or I'm going to choose to seek the Father in Jesus' name. Come on, would you give God some praise in this place? Why is this so important? Because... We are what we repeatedly do. Success comes from habits. Failure comes from habits. Your life will be the sum total of what you do on a regular basis. I hope you're getting what I'm saying here today. If your ethos is like Jesus, he was seeking, the disciples were sleeping and as a result of them sleeping and not seeking, they responded in the flesh. Think about what they were doing. They were running scared, right? They were denying Jesus. We know that Peter did that. And they were fighting back in the flesh, pulling off sword and cutting off people's ears. Now, why is the world going so crazy right now, responding in such ridiculous fashions? How about forget the world? Because we can talk about the world and, oh, I can't believe people are acting like that. What are you doing right now? Are you responding in the flesh and in, in emotions? Are you flying off the handle? Are you denying Jesus? Are you pulling out a sword, in essence, through social media and slicing and dicing and cutting up people right now? I'm going to tell you, if you don't have a habit of seeking God, then that right there is exactly what you're going to do. And I think the country needs more than anything else for you and I to get this right. Look, it says there in this verse, 
Jesus told them, listen, you need to do this so that you don't fall into temptation. Let me tell you something. You don't just fall into sin. You ain't just walking through life one day. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, I became an addict. You don't just kind of go along in life and it's tripped like, oh, we, we got divorced. No. And you don't just fall into that word. Fall means to be led into something. Our habits are either going to lead us to God or they're going to lead us into all kind of other problems. Here, okay, here's the bottom line of what I'm trying to say. Your ethos is probably the most important thing to determining the direction and the purpose and the end results of your life. And so you and I are going to have to develop the right ethos because if we don't, we're going to try to control things ourselves. And we all know what the cobra effect does. It actually unleashes something that you can't control because you can't control your own life anyway, right? So we need a habit of seeking God. So here's what I want to do for the remainder of our time. I want to spend some time studying the life of Christ. We know that he had a habit of going to this place and praying and seeking the Father. And so as a result of his habit, how did his life, uh, what did it look like? How did his life become successful because of the habit that he had? I want you to write this down. When we have this habit, this ethos of seeking God rather than responding in the flesh and sleeping and not, and not seeking God. I don't mean like physically sleeping. I mean like sleeping on seeking God. I mean like letting that just be a secondary thing, right? All right, but when we do that, write this down, we will know God's word. And that is, is extremely important. Let's go, let's go back to the scripture here. Jesus had a habit of seeking the Father. And so in Matthew chapter 4, this is Jesus' greatest day, all right? So we were just reading about Jesus in his worst day. Matthew chapter 4 would be his best day. He launches his purpose, his ministry, as we call it, right? And so uh, he gets baptized. He comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. There's a voice from heaven saying, this is my son who I'm well pleased. How many know that's a good day? Like, I'm, I'm stepping in. I mean, I got the Holy Spirit with me. I got the Father speaking to everybody, hears it, and knows it. And right after that, we're in Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Now, I want to encourage some of you guys right now that temptation is not sin. Some of you need to quit beating yourself up for being tempted. A thought is not sin. It is what you do with it that makes it a sin or not. Emotions are not sinful. If you have an emotion of anger and you just want to go pop somebody, we all have that. Come on, let's be real. This church, raise your hand. Come on, you ever been angry and you're ready to pop somebody? The rest of you are lying. Next week, cobra effect is lying and what it'll do to you, all right? All right, here, here we go. I'll straighten you out. I'm, I'm going to bust some of you big time right now. You ready? How many of you are sitting next to somebody, you know they got a line problem? Come on, just raise, raise your hand if you sit next to somebody like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look at that. You don't have to point, but we know who it is. So, so, so here's the deal. We, we can be tempted, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's sin. So, so don't beat yourself up by that, okay? So here's what you have to understand. This scripture says that Jesus was led by the Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit will lead you and help you navigate your most difficult days. Amen. Now, if you go on to study Matthew chapter 4 and what happened, Jesus was in the desert. The devil came and tempted him. 
And, and he kept saying this every time the devil tempted him. He said, it is written. Come on, that's exactly right. You guys know. Every time he said, it is written. He kept going to the word of God and saying, no, I'm not going to fall for that temptation because I know what the word of God says. It is so important that you and I know God's word and we get to know God's word and who he is when we have an ethos, a habit of spending time with him every day. And you can't get that just from listening to a sermon on the weekend or listening to a podcast when you drive. You got to get into God's word so that when temptation comes, you can go, mm-mm, that ain't me. It is written. I'm not going to do that. I love this verse, Psalm 119. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I don't sin against you, God. That word hidden, this is huge. Come on, listen to me right here, everybody. This is big. It's what you do when nobody else is watching that determines whether you're successful or not. It's hidden. It's what other people can't see. It's when you're grinding it out and you're seeking God when everybody else is acting all stupid. It's what you do when you're working out, when everybody else is sleeping and you're getting up and saying, no, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to take care of this. It's what you do when you're spending time with your spouse instead of going off and doing all the kind of goofy things. It's what nobody else sees that sets you up for success or not. It's what is hidden. Jesus, he said in one of these, he goes, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is so important. It's also in that Psalm 119. David said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. That, that word, word, okay, so important. In the New Testament, I want you to write this down. There's two primary words for the English word, word, all right? You got to track with me. I promise this is going to help you, all right? There's one word called logos, L-O-G-O-S, and that's the Bible. That's the, you know, anytime you see that in the New Testament, it's talking about God's written word or God's word. It's logos. It's the written word. It's what we need to have a habit of studying all the time. And then there's another primary word called rhema, R-H-E-M-A. And that's when the logos becomes personal. It becomes a rhema word. When you and I have a habit of seeking God, then God's logos, written word, what's in the Bible, which is for everybody, becomes rhema, personal, it's for me. Now, all of you have had this before. Let me tell you why. Because you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. In other words, you knew John 3, 16. You knew the logos, that for God so loved the world that he gave his son that I would live eternally. But, but it went from logos to personal that he loves me. Do you understand? That word went from logos to rhema to personal for me. Now, if you've ever been healed or delivered of anything, that word became rhema for you. Okay, I used to be a drug addict. I overdosed on drugs one time. When I was brought to the hospital, there was zero life in me. But God gave me a second chance. I, seriously, my, my parents and, and my, my church, they prayed for me and God gave me life again. I'm healed. Why? Because that word didn't just be gen wasn't just generic. It was for me. I, I used to have back problems for years. I'd wake up some mornings and, and I, I couldn't even walk or put on my shoes. I got a rhema word one time that God wants to heal me. And my back straightened up and I am totally healed. And I'm still healed today. If you were to look at an x-ray, come on, yeah, y'all give God some praise. 
Listen to this. If you were to look at an x-ray, my back is all messed up. In fact, my chiropractor said, first time I went to him, he goes, why does my pastor have to be such a problem? And I said, because how long I've been your pastor, you ought to know. I'm going to cause problems all the time, right? He said, your back is all, you should be in so much pain and have so many problems. He goes, look, I can see your back was even fractured right here a long time ago. And I said, well, it was. But I got a word. It was actually in the summer of 1992 in Phoenix, Arizona, and a church service way up in the balcony like some of you guys sitting over there. A word dropped in me, and I got healed. And ever since then, the word became logos, became rhema, and I'm healed. It doesn't matter what the doctor's word says. It's what God's word says. You don't get that from just accidentally. You don't accidentally become successful in life. You won't accidentally get a rhema word from God. It'll be because you have an ethos and a habit of seeking God, positioning yourself in such a way to receive from God. Come on, man. I'm preaching a lot better than y'all giving me credit for. All right. I'm bringing it today, y'all. I'm bring- I hope this is helping you. Okay. If you have this ethos of seeking God, then you will also recognize his voice. You will recognize God's voice. Everybody say, recognize. Recognize. Yeah, that's a a good phrase, right? You run up to somebody and you go, you better recognize what's stepping on me. All right, anyway, so when you have an ethos of seeking God, you will recognize his voice. Let's go back to Jesus. And how did he show us this and demonstrate this to us? John 12, Jesus says this. He goes, I don't speak on my own authority. Ooh, that's powerful right there. Let me tell you something. When you understand, when you get the rhema of who you are, then you walk around life. You ain't on your own authority. You like Jesus' ambassador. You like got authority that goes way beyond this world. It don't matter what people say or don't say, whether they agree with you or don't agree with you. I ain't here on my own. I'm not standing on this platform because of Randy BZ. I'm standing on this platform because Jesus called me, delivered me, set me free, and empowered me by the Holy Spirit. And that's why I'm here today. That's why I stand up here in a fallen state, and I can still preach the word of God like this because I know who I am because of who he says I am. All right, I'm going to keep going then. He says, the Father who sent me has commanded me to do, commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to, would you circle that or write that? They lead to eternal life. So I say whatever he tells me to say. In other words, Jesus understood the Father's voice. He didn't say or do anything else but what he said. Now, this is so important as believers right now for us to understand this. Because the world... And people in general, so many people will say that they are Christians or Christ followers, but they don't know what the word of God says. Oh, no, I'm a Christian, and then they do this, and that ain't, Christ, that ain't Christian. That ain't Christian. I'm serious. They say they're Christian, but it isn't lining up with the word of God. And, and you and I, I know for me sometimes, all right, I like to get ahead of God. How many of y'all get impatient with God sometimes? Come on. Like, God, I got stuff to do. I ain't waiting on you. I'm gone. And, and here's what I've learned, is that when I don't wait and patiently seek him and hear his voice and then move, that I make my decisions, and then I, here's what I call it, I backload God into my life. Oh, God, I want to buy that house. I'm going to go off with that person. I want to say this. I wanna, I, I've written so many emails and never sent them because I wrote them, and I was like, oh, Lord, that ain't you. How many posts have I typed them all out and I was just about to hit post because they needed that. They stupid. 
I mean, y'all know there's stupid people in this world. Come on. It's stupid, right? But I didn't send it. Why? Because I waited. Otherwise, if I just go ahead and do something, and then I go, all right, God, please bless it. And then he doesn't, and we go, God, why didn't you? It's because it wasn't him. How many times in life do we just make a decision and then hope God blesses it? How about we just recognize his voice and do what he is blessing? Because it says when I do that, it leads to eternal life. That word leads to is actually zoe. It means prosperity and blessings. How many of you want to live prosperous and blessed? I don't mean just financially. I'm talking about in every way in your life. Well, he gave us the secret. Okay, let me, let me paint it to you this way, all right? Let's say I had a seed, and I took this seed, tomato, it doesn't matter. You pick whatever you want. And I planted it in the ground. And I, I prepared the soil. I planted it in the ground, and I watered it, and I tilled it, and I took care of it. And then it sprouted and gave me tomatoes. Would you call that a miracle? No, you wouldn't call it a miracle. I just simply cooperated with the laws of the universe, and it produced tomatoes. I mean, it ain't a miracle. Okay, when I make a decision to live my life according to God's word and do what it says and obey it and follow God instead of myself, and I see God working in my finances and working my marriage and opening up doors for me and doing all kinds of things in life, is that a miracle? I simply cooperated with God's word. So if we want that, then we have to do what the word of God says. Look, God can't bless what he can't bless. If God's word says that these things are wrong and I do them and I go, well, oh, God just loves me. He'll do it anyway. Oh, no, he won't. He cannot bless what he cannot bless. It's against his nature. So you and I need to recognize his voice and do those things. And then it leads to the zoe, the blessings and prosperity that we all want. We want to go a different route. I don't know about you, but I want to go my way. But it doesn't always lead to what I want in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. All right, I got two more things. Let me just give you this one real quick. When we have an ethos of seeking God, then we will see others as God sees them. Now, I could preach an entire sermon on this point right here. But let me just read this verse and just give you a little snippet, and we're going to close. I got one more point. So Jesus, on his worst day, we already read him in the garden, and then from there he ultimately went and and he's hanging on the cross, right? He's there, people spitting on him. He's being accused of what he did not do. He's being punished for what he did not do, and here's what he says. Jesus said, Luke 23, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. How do you look at people? that have hurt you, and you say, Father, forgive them. How do you do that? You, you can't do it if you're responding in the flesh. Let's go back to the very beginning. The disciples, you know, were sleeping instead of seeking, and they responded in the flesh. Jesus didn't respond in the flesh. You're saying, well, well he was Jesus. Yeah, he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. So he, he knows exactly what we're dealing with, but his ethos led him to do the right thing. On your worst days, when people are treating you so terribly, you have to forgive them. Why? Because as your heart goes, so goes the rest of your life. You know, I talked to you earlier about that seed being planting in good soil. God's word is also a representation of seed. And if you plant that in a heart that is calloused, 
I promise you it won't. If I put that tomato and I put it on here, it can't get in this because it's hard. So it's never going to produce anything. If your heart is hard, God's word will never produce anything in your life. And you may say, well, I can't, I can't forgive people for what they've done. You don't have to. You really don't. But if you don't, it'll destroy you. I told you guys I was a drug addict. My problem was not drugs. My problem was my heart. I was a bitter person. I hated some people that did some evil things to me. And when I decided to let that go, January 30th of 1992 is the day that I surrendered my life and gave my heart to Christ and said, God, I forgive them. I'm going to let you deal with it. By the way, forgiving somebody doesn't mean it's okay. No, what you did was wrong. But I trust God to take care of it. That'll help somebody. Okay, here's the last thing. When you have a, a habit of seeking God, you will know God's purpose. Now, we all want to know why we're here, right? We want to know why we suck in air off the planet, right? Isn't that true? I mean, you're not here just to work a job and pay some bills and take some vacation sometimes, right? No, why are we really here? Look what Jesus did, John 13. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and will return to God. See, he knew his purpose. He knew who he was. He knew where he came from, came from and where he was going. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped the towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Okay, Jesus did something that was so important, you must understand. He took off his robe. Now, what, what does that mean? A robe represented someone's authority. It represented who they were. Uh, you know, you think of uh, like a, a judge. You know, they have this, this robe that they wear, right? It's a sign of their authority. That, that's the way this was. R remember in, in the Bible, there was this lady who was sick, and she pushed through the crowd so she could touch the, the, the edge of Jesus' robe, and she was healed. It represented who he was, his authority, that he was a healer. And she knew, if I just get to him, and I got it. Remember the story of the prodigal son. Leaves, goes away, comes back. The father takes off his robe, puts it on the son, right? I take off my authority, and I give it to my, my child. Okay, you understand what I'm saying, that a robe represents authority. Jesus was not into titles. He was into towels. And so you and I, it doesn't matter who we are, what we do, what our label is in society, our titles are. It's time to take off our titles and pick up some towels and serve other people. Let me tell you something. You cannot be full of yourself and serve others at the same time. And you and I, if we wanted to admit, let's be honest. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because it applies to everybody. I already know. I ain't going to ask you. I, you and I have a little bit too much of self in us. And if we will learn how to serve others, then I think it'll help us by developing that ethos of us accomplishing what we really want in life. Let, let me close with this story. There's a lady in our church. This happened before COVID. Uh, I was preaching and I was at the end of the service, like, just like I am right now. And it was, I, was, I was about to give the altar call, the time for people to surrender their life to Christ. This lady gets out of the balcony at our church and walks away. My wife's in church, sitting near this lady, and recognized, didn't recognize her, just this lady caught her eye. I mean, she was like, you know, she had her stuff together. She was well-dressed, 
clean, had it all together, walks out. I don't know why the lady caught Amy, my wife, her, her eye, but Amy noticed her. And the lady left, finished service, we're hanging out in the foyer, and all of a sudden there's a commotion in the ladies' restroom. Some of our, our uh, e-care team and uh, security team, and all, they went all in there to see what was going on. This lady left service, went into the restroom, and was shooting up, and she seized while she was in the bathroom. Life in the balance. Thank God our team had the medical equipment they need. They called EMS. She did not die. She turned out okay. We followed up with her, and she's getting the help to be delivered and saved and set free from all that in Jesus' name. Come on, can we give God some praise for some of that? She had a habit of turning to the needle, and look where it led her, almost to death. If she would have waited just a few more moments and not run to what is habitual in her life, she would have given Jesus a chance at that moment, then that day would have never happened. And I don't know what needle you turn to, what thing you turn to all the time, but it's time to let go of that because the cobra effect, it'll turn around and bite you. But if you make a decision to let it go and to trust God, I promise you, he'll set you free in Jesus' name. Would you bow your heads? Those of you that are watching online or wherever you are, it doesn't matter. There's no distance to what God can do. He can deliver you and set you free wherever you are. But I'm promising you right now, this is not church. This is not joining an organization. This is about Jesus Christ being your Lord and your Savior. Ethos with God starts with relationship and salvation in Him. If you've never done that before, I promise you today is the day. Don't be like that lady and leave this place or quit watching online, wherever you are, and run to the needle, the thing you always run to. In fact, today is the day to let Jesus take control of your life and deliver you and set you free and lead you to Zoe, prosperity and blessings and all that he has for you. Because I'm telling you, it's good in Jesus' name. If that's you, maybe you're watching online or you're in this room, I want to pray with you. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lift your hand up and say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. It's a mess right now. It's, it, I'm full of uh, all kinds of issues in my life. I need to be set free. It might be a physical issue. It might be a spiritual issue. It might be an emotional issue. If that's you, that's right. People are raising their hand. If that's you right now, do not miss it. Come on, right now, lift it up. It's like, God, I need you. Guess what? Today, is, he's going to meet you right where you are. I love it. Okay, you can put your hands back down. We're going to pray. I want to pray for you as I lead in this prayer. Would you pray it in your heart? God, thank you for your love for me. You've so loved me in a way that I don't even know how to love myself. In fact, you love me even when I'm unlovable. And you did that because you demonstrated it by, by, by sending your son to die for my sins. All the problems in my life, God, you paid for that. Jesus, thank you for hanging on the cross. And while you did that, you knew this day would happen. That this day would be a day that I would recognize what you did on the cross and I would surrender to that and I'd say, Jesus, you be my Lord and Savior. So God, help us to turn away from the needles in our lives and help us to turn to you, Jesus, the one who leads us to life and life everlasting. So I believe in my heart right now. And I'm saying it with my mouth. Jesus, you are my Lord 
and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.